Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 173 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Here we are, Jacob. Having fun again, post-holiday week. How was your uh, Thanksgiving, Michelle? It was nice. I forgot to tell everyone that we weren't going to have a show. Do you think they knew? Did you guys know? Well, they knew something was happening that week, so they probably figured we weren't going to be around. Yeah, it was nice. I ate food. I got to see my family before Omicron Omicron. (laughs) takes all of our... All of our good times right. away again. So you, you looking a, forward. At least they got a very Transformer-esque name for it this time. Like, it's a fun one. It's a I mean, it sounds Delta. so scary. Delta, I was like, is that so bad? But Omicron, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> terrible. Frank Welker is just so excited because he knows he's going to get hired to do voice work on the commercials about <laughs> this one. He's like, come on, guys. It's right there for you. Oh, but so... Yeah, you know, got stuff going on. I'm actually going to uh, New York next week because, well, their COVID numbers are lower. So somehow I'll be around more people, but weirdly safer. I don't understand anything. I'm just just trying to exist. You've lived in Buffalo long enough. You understand what's going on. (laughs) Yes. Jacob said that we just had a cut because I was taking a sip of tea and he made me choke and I almost I almost just died. Yeah, what a, it's not even going to be it's a fun, Omicron. It's, it's going to be me drinking tea. It's a fun way to start the morning. Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, I am going to New York with a friend to see the Tina Turner musical on Broadway. I see that. I'm doing some Tina Turner music. I mean, you weren't doing anything that could be considered music. I was going to get up and start doing the Tina Turner dance. And I figured I can't this early. In the that morning. is actually really great. But I'm really excited that Adrian Warren, who plays her, won the 2020 Tony Award for Leading Actress. So oh, that's this cool. is going to be super awesome. Well, I mean, kind of. I got a feeling there's going to be some adult material in that play that's not going to be fun to watch. I mean, that is that seems pretty appropriate and accurate. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it just kind of made me think about... You know, people playing musicians, musicians acting, everybody. It's it's a whole it's, it's a whole mix. It's I'd a whole say thing. that many musicians secretly want to be actors. We're looking at you, Lady Gaga. And that most actors not so secretly want to be musicians. Looking at you, Jared Leto. <laughs> and for all of those thespians out there who don't start their own bands with words like thirty odd foot grunts. Or Dog Stars. Or, or Bacon Brothers. <laughs> oh, days, yeah. What a lack of originality with the Bacon Brothers. <laughs> yeah. But Come the on, next guys. best thing to that is to play a real-life musical genius in a movie. Might as well cut cut right off right across, man. Oh, absolutely. Take the shortcut. That's the way to do it. If the subject story also happens, if you got like a great rags-to-riches arc, or maybe if you include a dive into a drug-fueled near-death depths with a redemptive rise mm, we can't get best. enough of that i mean you could always go the creep route and you could totally blow it like uh, if you're kevin spacey in beyond the sea and you want to be a 50 year old man playing an 18 year old that's probably not i don't know the why they ever it. cast that that's always that's always was, weird well it's because it was his movie so he's like yeah i could play an 18 year old yeah well and i mean if this dramatic recreation attracts the attention of oscar voters then it's all the better all the better everyone's man. really happy about that absolutely um but i don't know i think the actual the chance to kind of belt out a greatest hits collection of songs from rock stars or hip hop legends or whatever um is too tempting to pass up for most actors i mean yeah 
the thing about like when you're playing another um, famous person is you get you can get a lot of like Oscar buzz if you can do it correctly. You don't have to really create too much because you're basically just doing an impression of somebody. Yeah. And if you can get into their headspace, you can actually give a yeah, pretty I mean, good. I performance. mean, hey man, you may not be Elvis, <clears throat> but you can play him on TV. Man, Kurt Russell proved that man. You're like, I'm just gonna make a career out of playing the king. It works. Although if you're Eminem, you play a barely fictionalized version of yourself, which well, is complicated, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> I actually found something out that I did not know about that movie, but we will get to that when the time oh, comes. Okay, but most, um, again, here's our, our struggle. Biopics or biopic? I, you like? I go biopic because I think it sounds better. Okay. What, so? do you, what do you like? You going biopic? I don't really like either of them, but I'm just going to go biopic. Okay. No, now, see, now it sounds weird. It does. I said it too many times. Now mm-hmm. it's the thing where it's not it, a word. It makes you question it. Movies about music people. <laughs> there you go. That sounds official. Uh, it's a bona fide genre for sure. There's no sign that their popularity is dimming in the slightest. We're always looking for these films. I mean, just in the last few years, we got Ethan Hawke as uh, Chet Baker. There was that m- movie Born to be Blue. Oh, that's right. Um, there was a Hank that. Williams film, I Saw the Light. Yeah, with uh, Tom Hiddleston. Um, Don Cheadle did some uh, specific points in Miles Davis's life and mm-hmm. Miles Ahead, which I did not see that. Uh, I didn't see that I one I didn't either. hear great things about it. Um, Chadwick Boseman played uh, James Brown and Get On Up, so yeah, that was I mean, another it one. Just, it just keeps happening. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite choices for best music biopic, biopic of bio- all time. Biopics? <laughs> <laughs> I like biopic. That's the one. That's the one. You did it. Um, but there's just some of our favorites. But before we even get into those, we have to obviously start with this new um, Beatles Get Back documentary that just came out. Oh, yeah, man. It is. A lot of people are talking about it. It's like cheering up the charts there on Disney+. Plus. Absolutely. So this was directed and produced by Peter Jackson. Friend and it, of the show. <laughs> and it covers the making of the Beatles' 1970 album, Let It Be, which originally had the working title of Get Back. And it draws material that was originally captured for the Michael Lindsay Hogg's 1970 documentary of the album. Okay. So this thing, it's a monster. It is a three-part, eight-hour uh, Disney Plus docu-series, so it's only there right now. And it was called from 60 hours of footage shot and um, 150 or more hours of audio that he had to kind of sift through to create eight hours. So you're like, eight hours is long, but not when it was like, (laughs) not when you had that much material. No, that much, you're basically paring it down, just finding the highlights. Yes. And I mean, it's, I watched the first episode only so far. My, I will say I enjoyed it very much, but... They couldn't have done this with any other band but the Beatles and gotten people to care. Uh, well, uh, make, I feel make, that very making much. A, making an album, an in-studio documentary, no, nobody's going to care. Like, why would they? But if you get, like, this interesting kind of situation. It's very, very, it's very interesting. And it's stuffed with a lot of intrigue and kind of fresh insights into the inner workings of, you know, one of the greatest rock bands of all time and seeing their dynamic together and things that they argue about and just the sheer amount of cigarettes smoked in the zany places that they will stash a lit cigarette while they're playing their instruments has been one of my favorite things so far. I think my favorite one was when John Lennon like had um, a, a bit of his guitar 
what do you string mm -hmm. like coming out the top and he like stuck it through the bottom of the cigarette to hold it so i oh, was like you guys that's cute you'll find a million places to stash those cigarettes man british people back in the day they knew how to smoke man. They, they, <laughs> they, they had it figured out they sure did but yeah so it's really interesting to just kind of see the amount of people that it takes to to bring an album to light as well also i'm just constantly like why did you give yourself two weeks to write a new album. That seems crazy. Well, Why didn't you give yourself more time? It's like give yourself a little bit of pressure, man. You get your best work sometimes you're under pressure. And that's kind of what they say. Pre that's what, pretty good album, too. What John Lennon yeah. says for sure. But so, I, yeah, I if feel, you have Disney, check that out. I feel like there's a missed opportunity to have, like, a separate documentary series where it's just called Lord of the Ringo, and they just do an interview with Ringo Starr one-on-one. I don't hate it. Yeah, they missed it out, man. There was a perfect chance. Everybody's, like, talking and kind of arguing and doing things, and Ringo just sits there nicely. Well, like, he's just, like... Just write the music so I can play the drums. <laughs> like, that's it. You should just be happy to be in the band. I mean, he's actually a good drummer, but we don't have to get drummer, into Ringo you're, right now. You're, you're in three legends here, man. Just, you know, shut up and sit behind the kit and do what they tell you. Wow. I mean, if Jacob write, says it. Write a song about <laughs> octopuses and maybe it'll get on the album. <laughs> Who doesn't love that? But, okay, so now we're going to get into some of our uh, favorite films here. And I obviously have to start with What's Love Got to Do With It from I mean, 1993. That makes sense. Since Tina has set off this entire episode. Everyone's favorite movie about domestic violence, What's Love Got to Do With It. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that it's it's easy to watch, but this is director Brian Gibson's adaptation of Tina Turner's best-selling autobiography. And like Jacob said, I think, unfortunately, it's best remembered for its graphic... Um, and kind of borderline salacious depictions of domestic violence. Oh, oh borderline? <laughs> I, there are more than one one take, like no cuts, just flat out Florence yeah. Fishburne working over Angela Bassett. But yeah. it is. It's, and I actually heard from Tina um, in an interview, like she's like, it wasn't like super accurate. Like, I all of that wasn't happening exactly. But then I heard that it could have been worse. So I don't know. But that viewpoint kind of overlooks the subtler early scenes between the excellent Lawrence Fishburne as Ike Turner oh, and Angela Bassett as Tina. Best role for both of them. I mean, they rightly earned Best Actor and Actress Oscar nominations for this performance. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It really demonstrates how the artist's clear rapport with one another was just ultimately betrayed by Ike's abuse. Like, they had this great thing going, and he's just freaking crazy evil man yeah just turns into the <laughs> serial abuser and drug addict that you kind of get hints at early in the movie that he is yeah. but they don't really get into it Lawrence Fishburne also said in an interview he's like oh it was like for five years after that movie that I would get dirty looks from women on the streets I'm still I'm sure he still <laughs> does like that's a lot of people are looking at him like, you're lucky you did The Matrix otherwise I <laughs> yeah, don't even we would look hate you, you forever but throughout the film I mean Angela Bassett just embodies Tina Turner's like just purposefulness. She's like strutting across the stage or when she's singing Proud Mary, um, even as she's like learning to chant um, as a Buddhist convert. I really, I really love this movie. And Angela Bassett said that when she met Tina Turner for the first time so that the singer could kind of see for herself who would be playing her, she walked up to Angela, she looked her up and down and then she said out loud, she's perfect. I, yeah, I mean, this is just such a good movie, man. Like, I saw this when it first came out, probably shouldn't have. But yeah. it was just one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, everybody's so good in this movie. They were perfect just... together. I know Lawrence Fishburne turned down the role like five times. And then when he heard that Angela Bassett was in it, he was like, oh, I'll do it now. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I so, wonder, 
wonder who was like the backup. Who was almost playing that role? <laughs> um, for her, I know Whitney Houston was and, up for eh, it. Eh. Yeah, there was a couple more. I, I don't remember. But anyway, if you haven't seen uh, What's Love Got to Do with It, you ought to. Because it is worth your time. And just it. listen to Tina. Oh, yeah. It just feels so good all the time. But yeah. all right, Jacob, what do you have? All right. So next, I'm going to go with uh, one of the movies I used to see a million times because it was always on HBO when I was a kid, 1997's Selena, the introduction of Jennifer oh, Lopez to Selena. the general Selena. This is one of my favorite biopics, man, or biopics, as we said <laughs> earlier in the show. Um, it's just a good movie. I mean, when I first saw it, you know, as a kid, because I was only like 14 years old at the time, I didn't know who Selena was. Like, I knew the song, kind of, because it was on the radio. It was a big hit. The um, Dreaming, I forget exactly what it's called. It was, okay. It's actually on the radio. Oh, that that Dreaming of You. I yeah. don't know. I love that song. It actually came on the radio the other day, and I'm like, oh, my God. I saw Selena so many times. I know all the words to this song. Like, it's a nice song. It is a nice song. <laughs> go, go look it up, everybody. Everybody kind of forgot about it. Um, but it's a story of uh, Selena, um, not Selena Gomez, Selena Quintilla Perez. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that last name. Um, she was a Tejano music sensation. Um, she started out when she was a kid. She became one of the biggest Latin American stars in the world, even though she never spoke Spanish and was American through and through. Um, but then she didn't speak Spanish. She did not speak Spanish. They talk about it in the movie. Yeah, she doesn't speak Spanish at really? all. Really? Yeah, she was like they just gave her the words and she just sang it in oh, Spanish. Because I was like, she definitely sings in Spanish. Oh wow, oh, no, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, go back and watch interviews, and you'll notice that she never really says anything in Spanish or kind of like slow ball, slow walks it when she has to because wow. she doesn't really know what they're talking about. Okay. Um, but she was one of the biggest uh, singers in uh, for Tejano music. She was breaking through into the mainstream thanks to that song, uh, you know, when we were just talking about dreaming. And then she gets murdered by the head of her fan club um, fan that she was trying to help out, Yolanda Saldivar, when she was only 23 years old and just about to take it off. This is just such, it's such a good movie, but it is like an ultimate what if. Like, you don't get the what if because of Jennifer, um, Oh my God, Jennifer Lopez. Lopez's performance because this is the one that launched her mm-hmm. into the stratosphere of being a, fl- a fly girl into being an actual Hollywood um, leading lady. Um, but you're just watching this like this girl was so talented. She had a strong family behind her. She had a bunch of support. She seemed to be ma- madly in love with her husband at the time. And then this tragedy happens for no reason yeah. because her waste. quote unquote fan was stealing money and didn't want to get fired. Yeah. That's why this happened. It's just crazy to think that this is what went down. It wasn't like a big hit at the box office when it came by, but it's like one of those movies that... It's know, not a perfect movie, but it's an easy movie to watch. Yeah, this is like one of those lazy Sundays. Yes. Throw it on, 90 minutes later, you're out of there, and you're like, hey, I learned something. Actually, yeah. 127 minutes, my goodness gracious. The movie's longer than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you just put it on, you get to learn some stuff, you get to watch a young Jennifer Lopez and see, hey, this girl becomes a huge movie star later on. Yeah, that's so always fun, catching up. It's young. definitely a movie worth checking out. So if you got some time, go, go get some Tejana music on and go watch Selena. Okay, so the next one I want to talk about is from two. 2007. I'm not there. Um, yes, you are. You're right here. This, ugh, I will Ba-dum-bum. quit the show right now. <laughs> I will be gone. <laughs> so this is the whole like, how can you possibly try to encapsulate the life of Bob Dylan, one of the rock era's greatest shapeshifters, into a single film? Not easy to do. Not easy to do. And if you're director Todd Haynes, you kind of split that life into different eras and influences casting everyone from Kate Blanchett to Richard Gere to Heath Ledger to Christian Bale to portray separate 
shards of Dylan's rich and confounding mosaic, we'll say. And it's wild. It ends up being really thrilling and inquisitive. Um, it stays away from chronology and straight biography, obviously. Right. Um, to kind of grasp in a larger sense how Dylan remade the world while constantly reinventing himself over the years. So they have all of these different people playing him at different times in his life. And I think that it really pays him the highest compliment by crafting this really fractured and often brilliant exploration that's really as vibrant as the man it honors, or at least as vibrant as he once was. Once was. Not not so much anymore. <laughs> but, we'll say, but it's a cool film. Although somehow amazingly, Kate Blanchett is the best Dylan. Well, I mean, she's probably well, probably the best act, best actor I in mean, the movie. I mean, Christian so. Bale, that's a head-to-head. Uh, yeah, both I'll watch excellent. that competition. But uh, yeah, so it's a really cool, different kind of film. We hadn't seen anything like that before, so you should definitely see I'm Not There. I always appreciate when they do biopics in a different way. So definitely picking different actors to portray the person at oh, different yeah. points in their life to get like a different mood. Uh, this is also the first movie where uh, every single actor uh, was a better singer than the person that they're portraying. So that's another interesting Well, it's not always about the voice. It's also <laughs> about the, the writing. Yeah, thank God for Bob Dylan. It's not all about the voice, am I right? I do like that Kate Blanchett was like, how was I going to get into character? How was I going to do it? And then she's like, oh, I stuffed a sock down my pants. And she's like, it really came together. I was like, so easy, Kate. What a, what a talent she is. She's like, I figured it out, man. I figured it out. So, yeah, a cool, very cool film. I wonder how many socks she used. There's an interesting question only t- only to you is it interesting can you go on to your next movie please <laughs> all right so i'm going to go with one with a person who actually can sing go with 2005's james mangold directed biopic of johnny cash we're going with walk the line excellent movie starring joaquin phoenix and uh reese witherspoon who won an academy award for her performance in this movie I yeah believe. Um, so if you haven't seen this movie, it stars Joaquin Phoenix as the titular Johnny Cash, the man in black. And it's a story, you know, just like all of them, his rise from nobody to being one of the most important country singers of the 21st century. One of the biggest, like, acts, period. Yeah. The guy was an icon when he was alive. Like, you hear one of his songs and he has like a, he's one of those um, artists where when they have a song come on, you can just tell as soon as it starts, you're like, oh, this is a Johnny Cash song. Like, he's got that tone to it. Oh, absolutely. That attitude. And Joaquin Phoenix, he nails this. He completely sells into the character. You buy it 100%. I mean, we all knew, we know now Joaquin Phoenix is one of the best actors in the world. But at this time, people were still kind of skeptical. Yeah. Like, they had Gladiator, but they're like, eh, you know, he's okay. We don't know but if he, he can But he encompasses Johnny in the film. I mean, he does his own singing in this movie, and he actually does a very good job like, singing I mean, they it. both perform all their own songs. They also learn to play all of their instruments. Oh, Guitar did they? Okay. and auto harp from scratch, so that's pretty amazing. I actually did not think that Reese Witherspoon was a good actress too much until I saw this movie. Because, okay, like, yeah. all I really saw her in was, like, Freeway, and she'd been in some random <clears throat> movies. So she was, like, was in, like, rom-com stuff. She wasn't really getting a chance. Yeah, but then she comes out with this one, you're like, oh, all right, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. And then, you know, she's the actress she is now, one of the biggest TV producers out there and just putting out good Seriously. work constantly. Been nominated for a couple Oscars. Um, 
But if you're looking for a good biopic about with some excellent music, because there's a lot of performances in this movie as well of a bunch of the hits, and they're all good. So if you are looking for a movie where you get a iconic star, iconic actor, iconic everything's iconic about it, and a story that if you don't know about it is a lot more dark and interesting than you think yeah. it's going to be. I I know that Reese and Joaquin for like the six months they were learning kind of to sing together and rehearsing. They like hated each other. Mean. They giant. were like enemies, but once they started filming, they were like BFFs, and mm. they were really in it together. I mean, Johnny Cash, not a good guy, if you did not know this, everybody. But I mean, not a bad guy. He had demons. Yeah, he had Come demons. On, well, I guess, that's a, I guess demons. that's a good way to All put right, it. All right, we got to speed this up, because I have so many more, and we, of course we have no time. Of course. Um, I want to talk about La Bamba, 1987. Oh, I love that movie, I dude. mean, stellar performances, Lou Diamond Phillips as Richie Valens, and Esai Morales as his doomed... Troubled half brother Bob. Oh, Bob. Oh, Bob. Bob, um, Bob, 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 Bob. But La Bamba richly details the last eight months of 17 year old Valen's life from high school student to just unlikely overnight sensation to victim of the tragic plane crash that mm-hmm. forever reshaped the music world. And yeah, took out Buddy Holly of the Big Bopper with him at that horrible incident. Oh, uh, just watching that, you're like, it doesn't Every make... time you see it, you're like, don't do it. I, I mean, don't want you to do it. There's no way you would get me on a propeller plane in 2021, period. Like, well, when you get those little commuter flights, you're like, you know what? I'll walk. I'll walk the six hours it's, instead of getting on that thing. It's a long way. But La Bamba doesn't just offer like a sanitized portrait of Valens as one of those gone-too-soon rockers, but it also tackles the racial tensions mm-hmm. that uh, percolated in L.A. in the late 50s, as well as the day-to-day struggles of the Latino community. And at its heart, the film remains like a stunning reminder of Valen's lasting impact on pop music. I mean, he's still got good music. Like, like Let's Go, it's a very good song if you get a chance to listen to it, if you don't want to listen yeah. to like his main ones. I mean, he's got three hits right off the bat, and he's only 17 years old in his he first album. He was just like a little, a little baby. His, the Richie Valens family was so attached to Lou Diamond Phillips that when he was shooting the scene where Valens gets on the airplane that leads to his death, the family begged him not to get on because they thought that he was going to die too. <clears throat> and it got really severe, so his family actually showed up the day that it was getting filmed, even though the producers were like, stay off the set. His like sister got through, and she was like crying and hugging him and begging Lou Diamond Phillips not to get on the plane. So it just shows you that he obviously encompassed Richie Valens in a way that even his family oh, yeah. was very affected by it. I also like the idea that they're like, you, Esai, you can get on the plane. Just don't let Richie get on. Just don't let Richie get on. <laughs> it's how it should have been all along. Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's do a couple more quick ones here. All right, um, I I guess the obvious one, 2018's Bohemian Rhapsody. That you gotta go see. You gotta see that one if you haven't. You gotta. Yeah, people really hated it, but I didn't hate it. I'm actually surprised, looking back, that it didn't win Best Picture because I feel like it, if you give it one more week, that movie wins Best Picture at the Oscars. I think just it's by because the people got weird about it. They did get weird about so it. So I think I, that's why it didn't. I think it's a good movie. Like I don't understand what the problem is. I think Rami Malek is excellent as Freddie Mercury. I think Rami's great too. I think people were more like they didn't like the storyline, or mm-hmm. I don't know. But Rami was great. He was great. Um. I found a fun fact. This movie actually still has not turned a profit somehow, apparently. $954 million at the box office, and there's still $45 million behind, according to one of the producers who says he hasn't gotten paid. I don't believe him, but go figure on that one. I don't know. I don't know how Hollywood money works, dude. If you can't make a profit on a billion-dollar gross, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, I don't know what that um, But go check that one out. It's pretty good, everybody. And uh, go check out Dreamgirls, an oldie but a goodie. If you want to get the Motown story all in one, you get to see Jennifer Hudson um, 
winning first, her first role her, her, and the Oscar winning role yeah. too just killing it on the stage we got Jamie Foxx showing that hey I'm actually a good actor when I try yeah. ignore stealth uh, Beyonce is in here like playing um, Diana Ross's analogy Eddie Murphy oh my god Eddie Murphy this movie <sighs> I get depressed for him every time I see this yeah. Because he was going to win an Oscar, ladies and gentlemen, 100% going to win it until a week before the Oscars. And the studio released Norbit. And they're like, oh, my God, we cannot give an Oscar to Eddie Murphy. So that way next week we see commercials that say Academy Award winner Eddie Norbit. Murphy in Norbit. I, I mean, such a tragedy. They dude. should have held on to that. Do you know he, he auditioned for the Ike Turner role? Really? I wonder how that would have been. Bad. I don't think <laughs> and there's the answer. Yeah, um, I don't, Matt, mm, mm. Um, too, okay. er, too early, man. Too early in his career. Let me spit a couple out here. We mentioned Eight Mile from 2002. This is loosely inspired by Mr. Marshall Mather's life as a struggling rapper in Detroit. It's kind of like the 21st century Rocky. Um, yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, um, and that, like he said, he says that it's not about him, but like. I'm sorry, it definitely no, is you, about him. Yeah, it's not, not, not about you at all, Eminem. But it's just it, a, another white rapper in Detroit that was living in a trailer park with his daughter. And yes. I mean, it was a word-of-mouth hit, and I kind of like that it didn't even have like that Hollywood fantasy or happy ending. Like, Eminem, spoiler alert, he's the underdog that does win this like rap showcase, but I like that that moment ends, and he like has to go catch his next shift at the auto plant. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's some real-life real stuff here. Um, the film La Vie and Rose from 2007, I think, is just a fantastic film. Marion uh, Coltiard just portrays a perfect Edith PF. I, I don't even know what else to say if you haven't seen that film. It's one of the only French cinema films to win two Academy Awards, including the first acting Oscar in the French language. It's a really big deal. Yeah, Marion Coulthard is great in this movie. Fantastic. She is fantastic. She also had to shrink her body. She's only 5'6", but PF is 4'11". Yikes. So she looked 4'11", because she really kind of crippled and curled her form so that you don't even notice, but it really shrinks um, her down. She shaved back her hairline. She shaved off her eyebrows. Like, she did a lot. It's a great film. Um, Amadeus, 1984. We love Amadeus. Love it, love it, love it. That film is wild. Um, Behind the Candelabra from 2013. Way underrated movie that nobody ever talks totally about. Totally underrated. We got, you know, the first project after his retirement. retirement. Steven Soderbergh comes back for this uh, HBO film, Behind the Con- Candelabra. It went into Liberace's crazy lifestyle. Michael Douglas' lead performance is awesome. Awesome. He somehow attracts... And repels sympathy oh, absolutely. for the, the Vegas legend. I here. mean, Matt Damon is fantastic in this movie too. Like, this is one of those ones that I started to realize: like, is Matt Damon really a good actor? Like, Matt Damon is definitely a good actor. I kept trying to fight it for all those years, and I'm like, well, you really can't anymore. And he, man, oh man, the character he plays, the the lover that was seduced and abandoned, is really difficult to watch. But Soderbergh paints Liberace as a really tragic figure, like isolated by fame and fiction, and he lives out his dreams, but he's kind of confided to this gilded cage that he created himself. Um, definitely underrated, great film that you should... Well, was it was it was it a film? I can't even remember now. Was it a series? Oh, it was a movie. It, it was, was a, a, movie, a yeah. it was a HBO original movie. Okay. I can't remember if I saw, like, 
eight episodes of it or one because it's, it's, it was seems, really good. It covered a lot. Yeah, a lot of happens in that movie. A lot happens yeah. in that movie. It, it's like, oh, God, Liberace, man. He's kind of like the younger Britney Spears, isn't he? Just like this super rich, mega Vegas star who's got all sorts of issues that were hidden from everybody. That was just not a comparison that I saw coming, but all right, I'll accept it. Yeah, <laughs> all right, Jacob. A- apparently doing shows in Vegas, man, it kind of turns you crazy. That's why everybody gives Carrot Top a wide berth whenever you see <laughs> yeah, it walking on the street. That's exactly it. All right, we're totally out of time. Why don't you plug us up? So... If you are looking for some great music or some other biopics or anything that, or the biographies that these movies are based on, you know what? We got them all at, for wow. you at your local library. There are 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by and say, I am looking to learn something about my favorite musicians. Show me that Johnny Resnick book. And they'll be like, follow me. Let's get your buffalo on. Don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See all the programs and stuff we got going on. Check your account online. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod and let us know what music or biopics you are watching this weekend. Totally. So did you know in 8 Mile that the sheet of paper that Jimmy writes on on the bus um, where he's like trying to write out and work out his lyrics is what Eminem actually wrote the song Lose Yourself on because he was working it out during filming. Oh. And that sheet of paper sold for $10,000 on an eBay auction. Nice. Did, did you also know that that uh, 8 Mile is actually only 7.2? I don't care about that. That's terrible. <laughs> so, um, poor Richie Valens, the plane crash that happened was due to a combination of icing and being slightly overweight for the existing conditions. So, what Look, happened? Looking at you, Big Bopper. Stop. The plane was unable to gain sufficient altitude and went down only six miles from the airport. That and, mi- key factor, the pilot was only 21 and completely inexperienced and not was not rated for flying in that kind of weather. I'm sorry, man. If I am getting onto an airplane in that kind of weather and I look and the pilot is 21, I'm yeah, like, nope. I'm, nope. Uh-uh. Yeah. I'm, take, I'm taking the bus, dude. I'm off the show. Sorry. Um, Get this. So for Candelabra, it was originally Warren Beatty was to direct with mm. Robin Williams and Justin Timberlake starring. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, right? All of that sounds awful. It does. It's wild when <laughs> Every you hear Every part those of that things. sounds bad. Oh, my I God. Know. Uh, and then um, we'll talk about Bohemian Rhapsody here, but Freddie Mercury's vocal range, if you don't know this, stretched to three octaves, which is insane. And there are rumors that it could actually span to four. Um, in 2016, a group of biophysicists and medical researchers concluded that his vocal cords just moved faster than the average singer's. So he was truly in like a world all of his own. And that's the real reason that he didn't get his buck teeth fixed is because he feared that he would lose his three octave range even though he hated what his teeth looked like so much. You know, but he was like, how can I risk it? You know what, he's probably right too. He's probably, it's probably true about that. It's like the John Popper syndrome. Like he lost all that weight and he stopped being a good singer. He's I probably mean, correct. You, you don't never want to screw, know. Don't want to screw with your physical body. You sure don't. Now you've got a voice like that. But okay, thank you so much for listening. Again, I'm out of town next week so we will have a repeat of our New York City episode which seems very appropriate um right on the nose but thanks so much for joining us and we will catch you next time bye